Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When you fear the Lord, you guys, it takes away the fear of other things, right? Jonathan, I'm sure, was more concerned that this is not right before God. So while I, I may revere dad, I don't fear him like I fear God. This is not right. I'm not killing David. And so he stood up. And so I, I think that's a valuable lesson for us that we would be men and women that fear the Lord. Because if you don't fear the Lord, you, you end up being afraid of other people. You'll be afraid of your boss. Or you'll be afraid of, you know, some leader and what they said. And, and But if you fear the Lord, you don't have to fear anything else because he's above everybody. Have you ever stood up for your faith, even if it costs you something? Maybe it cost you your reputation at work or a friendship. If we're honest, many of us fear people more than we fear God. Today, Pastor Bill teaches you that if you fear God, you don't need to fear anyone else. God is above your boss, your teachers, or any world leader. Jonathan risked his life to stand up for David to King Saul, even when no one else did. Be bold in standing up for what you know is right. God sees you and will reward you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 19. As he begins his message, Faith Under Attack. We are continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. So if you guys open up to 1 Samuel chapter 19. All right, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for a new day a new opportunity, God. Thank you that you've given us your word and that through it you speak to us, God. You teach us. You reveal. Every time we read the word of God, God, we're learning about you, um, what you're like, what you did in the past. Um, God, what you what blesses you, what you don't like. I pray you would open up your word to us. Um, interesting things we'll read in this chapter. God, teach us, give us understanding. God, may we be those whose hearts are in tune with you, God. Would you fill us with your spirit even now? God, give us ears to hear what it is that you want to convey to us through your word tonight. Uh, may this not be just a, again, a, a hearing in the ear, a Bible study, but God, may, may you speak to our hearts through your living word. Uh, may we be transformed. May we be drawn close. May we be changed every time we come before you, Lord. So have your way in this time. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. So I titled uh, 1 Samuel 19, Faith Under Attack. Uh, I'll tell you right up front, there's so much more than that, but uh, we'll see that. You know, uh, David is going to be the one whose faith is under attack as he's continuing to do what, the things God's called him to do. Um, you see a guy that's doing everything God said do, and he's just coming under attack. And I, I think that's a common thing. Anybody here that has committed to serve the Lord uh, which you cannot, you got to know this, right? This is, this should be in every ministry training. It, when you commit yourself to serve God, there'll be attacks and they come, they're different for everybody, but the, the enemy is like, oh man, let me, let me see if I can discourage them before they get going real good. And the enemy's going to throw darts and there's going to be attacks. There's going to be temptation to fall and there are going to be people that do mean things and there'll be all these things. They're all intended to do one thing slow you down or stop you and impede your pro progress. Um, and so if you are a man or woman of faith, faith will come under attack. Here go one of those unprecious promises. Everybody seen like the, the Bible precious promise books? It, I call this the unprecious promise. It's, it's some unprecious promises too. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, hello, 
Yes, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So it's a promise, a guarantee that if you desire to live for the Lord, you're going to come under attack. There's going to be persecution. So we should expect it. We shouldn't get bummed out by it. Uh, we definitely shouldn't quit when it comes. I, I've actually taken this uh, this this mentality. When I come under attack, it is a clue that I'm on to something. So I need to now, I'm like, now that you let me in on it, I'm going to go hard. If I was going hard, I'm going to take it up a notch, but I'm not going to fall back, you know. Um, and uh, so you don't want to get discouraged from serving because I started serving God and then I got attacked and I lost a friend and someone said a mean thing and blah, blah, blah. All of that is guaranteed is coming. And if you make it easy for the enemy to discourage you, you'll be discouraged right on back into the pews uh, where he, he wants you to just sit, just sit back down, just sit down and don't do nothing. So we'll talk about some of that. So David is a man that we already know, anointed by God, called by God, obedient to God. And he seemed like he the only one that's coming under attack. Huh? Ain't that something? Because Satan know who to go for. Amen. Satan know who he, he know where to spend his energy. And so now look at chapter 19, verse one. If you guys remember from last week, uh, there were several different ways. You know, Saul was trying to get crafty. Trying to kill, I'll kill David by, I'll keep sending him to war and the Philistines to kill him. And that didn't work. Okay, I'm going to give him a daughter. Well, then I'm going to tempt him. I'm going to promise one daughter and then switch it at the last minute. See if David comes at me. That didn't work. Okay, well, now I'm going to uh, give David a dowry. I already owe him one of my daughters as a wife, but I'm going to tell David what you got to do to get my daughter as a wife is go kill 100 Philistines and sicko. Bring me their foreskins, right? And so he intended that this would cause David to die at the hand of the Philistines. And so none of these things work. Today, the attack comes a lot more frontal and direct. So look at chapter 19, verse 1. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So if you guys remember, Jonathan and Saul have made this blood. They made a covenant together. Remember that um, they linked up they're, they're, The Lord just knitted their hearts together. Jonathan sees something in David where he says, man, Jonathan says, I know I'm supposed to be next in line, but I know you're the guy and I don't have a problem with it. He gave David his, his armor. He gave David his robe. They made a covenant together. These, these, these guys are brothers. They both have like faith in God. They, they, they're both risk taker, godly risk takers. We talked about that. And so Saul comes in, he calls all of his men and he calls his son and he says, hey, guys, I, I want I want this guy dead. I want everybody to go kill. Every, here's what I want you all to do. I want you guys to go kill David. And I love the but I circled but in my Bible, because that means that Jonathan was he his heart wasn't going in that direction. It says, but Jonathan Saul's son, he delighted greatly in David. He's going to be the one to oppose this. Uh, he's going to be the one who who struggles with. This thing, I want you to note this because it says everybody liked David, right? It says that all of Saul's men had accepted David, but notice that none of them stick up. None of them are brave enough to say, hey, 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 wait a minute. This guy is defeated Goliath. This guy, I mean, none of them have the nerve to say nothing, but Jonathan does. That's, I remember that about Jonathan. Um, we remember before that he was the one that when nobody else was ready to go to war, he said, man, I'll grab my armor bearer. We're going to two of us going to go see what God might do. Well, Jonathan also is a guy here that when his dad is off his rocker, dad, who is crazy, dad, who could kill you. Jonathan's going to be the one to step up and say, no, that's not right, man. 
So look at verse two. So Jonathan told David, first of all, he told David, I highlighted that. Everybody say good friend. If you my friend, right, that, that, this wouldn't count. Be my friend now. Be my friend when the crazy king is saying, be my friend today. Um, and so Jonathan went right away and said, hey, David, I got to let you know what's going on. It says, Jonathan told David, saying, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. So Jonathan gave David immediate heads up. Hey, go get somewhere secret. Hide out till tomorrow. My dad is trying to kill you. And I would just say right up front, this is Jonathan's taking a risk. You know, his father is, is not all together there. So this could put Jonathan in a bad place with his dad. But Jonathan does the right thing for his friend, David. Amen. Amen. To me, if you my friend and if I'm your friend, if I find out something, I'm letting you know right away. That's what a friend will do. Don't hold back. I, I want the whole truth right now. Give it to me, you know. And so Jonathan does that. This is what a real friend will do, even if it, it might cost them. It might mean trouble for them, but a real friend is going to let you know what's going on. Uh, that's what Jonathan does for David here. Verse three, Jonathan continuing to speak to David says, and I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. So David's going to be hiding somewhere secret in the field and I'll speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. And so Jonathan says, I'm going to talk to my dad. You hide. Once we get done talking, I'll let you know what I come up with. I'll let you know what I find out. Once I have this conversation with my dad, I just again, I want to highlight once more. Nobody else stood up for David. Nobody else said a word. No one else intervened. No one else had the heart to intercede. Everybody else probably feared Saul still. Um, but Jonathan is not a, when, when you fear the Lord, you guys, it takes away the fear of other things. Right. Jonathan, I'm sure, was more concerned that this is not right before God. So while I, I may revere dad, I don't fear him like I fear God. This is not right. I'm not killing David. And so he stood up. And so I, I think that's a valuable lesson for us, that we would be men and women that fear the Lord. Because if you don't fear the Lord, you, you end up being afraid of other people. You'll be afraid of your boss. Or you'll be afraid of, you know, some leader and what they said. And, and But if you fear the Lord, you don't have to fear anything else because he's above everybody. And so Jonathan, again, I believe he's a man that fears the Lord. And that enables him to be bold when necessary uh, with his father. Verse four, thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father. And so Jonathan's getting ready to list to his dad all the wonderful things that David has done for them. It says uh, he spoke well of David um, to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David. I want you to note the words of Jonathan. He said this would be a sin to do this. Um, you know, the, all of this puts Jonathan in danger, but he's doing it anyway. He said, Dad, this would be a sin. Let not the king sin against the servant, um, against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you and because his works have been very good towards you. Verse five, for he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then would you sin against innocent blood to kill David uh, without cause? So Jonathan does something very, um, it's wise. It's also brave. He's confronting his dad. He's using biblical terms and he's giving truth. He said, look, dad, why would you sin against your servant David? He hadn't sinned against you. Reason number one, you shouldn't do it. Um, he took his life into his own hands when he killed Goliath for us because nobody else wanted to do it. And, and, and you rejoice when he did it. 
you were happy about what he did for us when he did it. And so why now? And again, he confronts them. This is now a biblical issue. Why now? He says, would you sin against um, innocent blood? David's innocent. So you you can't just kill a man that's innocent. That's innocent blood. That's that's innocent bloodshed. That's a different thing. In Bible times, there was times where people went to war. People struggled with this. Well, there was war in the Bible. And so murder was OK. Well, murder and war killing are different. Murder is is, is born out of a, a place of hatred in the heart, which is what Saul is trying to do here. If you had war in the name of the Lord and God says wipe out all the Philistines, that's not murder. That's killing. That's that's war is different. Right. Um, you don't have to hate them, know them. You just know God said, wipe them out, remove them. Um, and so what, what Jonathan is confronting his dad with here is that this would be murder. What you're talking about, you, you're talking about killing innocent blood. Um, David hasn't done anything worthy of this. Again, why then would you sin against innocent blood to kill David without cause? I would point out that while David is I'm sorry, while Jonathan is doing all of this, he does this at risk. Uh, his dad could in a moment snap and turn against him. But I saw something else when I was preparing this. And I want to I want to say this to us. Right. Because it's a trend that I see with Saul and I have seen it in the church. So I will point this out to us. Saul would not go do what God had called him to do. Saul had rolled the tape back before he was removed from being king. God told Saul, Saul, go kill all the Amalekites. Well, I don't want to do that. He killed some of the Amalekites, kept back what he wanted to. Um, Saul, go do this. Saul didn't do everything God told him to do. And so God says, now you're no longer the king. Now I got a guy that's doing whatever I tell him to do. Now we find Saul who's not doing anything that God wants, but he's attacking everything that God is doing. Right. The best thing that's going on in Israel right now is King David. He's winning all the wars. He's given the military victory. He's brought back confidence in the people. The best thing going in the camp is that God sent this young guy and he's, he's recharged them and he's brought about a sense of we, we can be victorious. The Lord is with us. And the man who wouldn't lift his hand to go do battle with the enemy can't stop lifting up his hand to go against the man that God is using. Now, this is how I see it in the church. There will be people in the church, around the church, visiting the church, uh, sitting in the pews at the church, let's say. They won't lift up their hand to do the work. But they will open up their mouth to speak against those that are doing the work. They will attack those. Here's what happens in the body of Christ. If you don't let God fill you and move you into service before you know it, you become you start you start. There start being friendly fire in the body and you got believers attacking other believers. That's never that's always bad. Right. You got to always everybody here. Remember this. If you ever get into a rhythm where it's like I am making enemies, I'm taking shots at God's kids. You got to stop and say. Why are all my enemies Christians? Why are the people I got so much negative to say about God's gift? Where is that coming from? Right. It's not coming from God because here goes the thing. Right. In this room, everybody in this room is imperfect. Amen. Amen. If we wanted to, we could we could each pick each other apart. We got We all have enough flaws that if we spend enough time with each other. We can say, I saw that flaw. <laughs> we can all do that to each other all day. So that's a that's a given. That's not what God's called us to do. I'm supposed to bear up with the weak. I'm supposed to strengthen those that are weak. I'm supposed to get close enough to people to see what the what the weaknesses are. So I may be a strength to somebody else. Um, sometimes God will put us together where you're weak and this person is strong where you're weak. And God, he didn't show them that so they could put you down, but that you guys could end up being strong together. 
You can build that person up. You can say, oh, I see a weakness in this person that I don't have, but I'm going to help my sister. I'm going to help my brother. I'll be careful about being this guy, King Saul. No passion for the service of God. No heart to do the work of God. But he, he, he seemed to always come up with enough passion and energy to attack the man that God is using. You never want to be this person. Um, fight against that, you know. Uh, with everything that you got, that's that's one thing. I, I, I was on staff at a mega church. So you got 17 pastors. You know, you're never going to get that many guys to agree on everything. You know, it's just not it just doesn't work that way. But I remember when I was there, the Lord just saying to showing me you always be a part of you unifying folks. Don't ever don't don't ever be a part of dissension and division in this because I'm never in that. And if you want the spirit of God to feel you and to move through your life, it, it, he's not moving over there in that. So you be peacemaking, you be unifying, you be speaking truth. I'll be all over that. I'll be in that juicy in that. But don't get caught up over there because uh, I'm not in that at all. And so I just want to point that out because I see that in Saul. This guy that's got the, the best. That's, he's got no. It's, it's, it's with all that he could have done for God. He's sitting over here taking shots at the man that God is using to bless all the people, you know, and uh, trying to trying to end the life of the person that is bringing salvation to Israel at this time. And so we want to be careful about being a Saul, but we want to be a Jonathan and a David. Amen. Amen. Jonathan is a truth teller. We'll see later on. He's a peacemaker and he's a faithful friend. He's a good friend. Even if it might cost me, I'm going to do what's right for my friend. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to do the right thing. So Jonathan has confronted his dad again. Why would you sin against uh, innocent blood and kill David without cause? And um, and now it says in verse uh, six. So Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan and Saul swore. As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. This is important. So in this for for a moment, it appears that Jonathan has won his dad over with his word. Saul says, you know what, son, you're right. What was, I, what was wrong with me? What was I thinking over here? You know, now we know that with Saul, we're going to find out pretty soon that Saul's word don't mean nothing. Uh, Saul's going to make vows. Saul's, Saul's the guy that swear to God, I put that on my mama. I put that on my grandma's grave, you know, three times over, you know, and uh, it, it don't mean very much. But in this moment, you know, Saul was I mean, Jonathan was able to get Saul to pause and he said, you know, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. I'm not going to do it. Verse seven. Then Jonathan called David and Jonathan told him these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as at times past. And I, I think Jonathan's heart was pure here. You guys, he, he said, David, you hide. I'm going to go over here and talk to my dad. OK, my dad agreed. Now I'm going to go get John David. I'm going to bring him to my dad. I promise you it's okay. I talked to him. Come with me. I'm going to be with you. He might have stood in between, make sure it wasn't no funny business, but he brought the whole thing together. He brought the reconciliation and he was a peacemaker. Amen. That was his intent. You know, he was trying to make things right on, on both ends and it looked like he has succeeded at this moment. If you're a note taker, I want you to write down Matthew chapter five, verse nine and uh, Matthew chapter five, verse nine, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Um, you, you won't find anywhere in your Bible where God says, blessed are the mess makers. Um, blessed are the division diggers. It, blessed are the peacemakers. And this is a word to us. That's what we want to do. When you see division happening, be a peacemaker. Because here it is. Division is bad for, it was bad for Saul. Saul, you're getting ready to do something bad. 
And, and maybe it was going to be bad for David if he could succeed at doing it. So a peacemaker says, this is bad. I'm going to bring peace into this messed up situation. That's what God has many times called us to be. If you find, if you get aware, you become aware of something, you're in the middle of it. You know, then that's 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 what we want to operate as believers. Let me see if I can bring peace into this situation. Um, you know, somebody mad at somebody. and You know, let me see if I can bring them down a couple notches and, and help them to see this from another perspective or whatever. Um, we want to seek to be peacemaker. What you don't want to be is that friend that that's like, for real? Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. You know, you don't want to be the one stirring up the pot and throwing gas on the fire. Um, you want to be the person that's bringing them down, um, giving them scriptures. Get, getting getting the Lord involved in the situation. And so um, so again, Saul heeded Jonathan's words. Um, they got brought back together and it says David was now in the presence of Saul as at time. Everything's back to normal for the moment. Thank you, Jonathan. All right. Now, <laughs> verse eight, it says, and there was war uh, again. And I want you to note this. I, I underline my Bible this way. I want you to know what David's doing and what Saul's doing, right? It says there was war again, and this is what David is doing. And David went out and fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. Now look at verse 9, what Saul's doing. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. This is what I want you to get the picture. David's active for God. There's war. David's at the war. When I'm back at the crib, I'm playing music for Saul. But David is serving God. Everywhere he goes, he is serving. I'm at the house, I'm playing music, just worshiping the Lord for Saul. The war, I get my troops together, we're going out to fight, we're going to battle, I get the victory, I come on back. David's busy for God, amen? This is important, you guys. This will keep you out of trouble. When you, you, if you allow the Lord to fill your cup with the, this God, this is, this is what God wants you to be busy with. Be busy with that stuff. Because what is Saul doing? Sitting down, thinking with a spear in his hand. See, he having bad thoughts, too. He just sitting there. It just all it said is Saul sat. He was Saul is sitting with a spear. David's going to war. David's playing worship. Saul sitting with a with a spear sitting there. Just sitting there waiting for the devil to tell him what to do with this weapon that's in his hand. But he's not doing anything. I don't know how to impress this any harder, but I'm, I'm going to do my best. That God has called every believer to be actively doing something. We, we're all called to be participating in the work. No one's called to just be sitting around. That's how you get in trouble. Just sitting around doing nothing when God's called you to do something. There's a war going on over there. Saul, didn't, he didn't go to the war. He could have went. He didn't go to the war. David, I got it. I'll go do the war. Uh, he comes back to the house and, and, and I, I would think, David, I'm tired. I've been at the war all day. I'm going to relax. But he's like, man, I'm going to worship the Lord for the victory that we just had. He's just, he just busy doing, and it seems like joyfully, willingly doing what the Lord has called him to do. David doesn't seem burdened. He doesn't seem overwhelmed. David's life looks blessed. And you know what it is? It's fruitful. His life is fruitful. You can look back week in and week out from his life and just see that God was using him. And God did that through him, and God did this through him, and God did this. And I'm looking at Saul, and all I can see is he's just sitting around making messes. I mean, that's the, the track record the last four weeks. Saul just waiting around, just making messes, sitting around, not doing what he should do, doing what he shouldn't do, sitting when he should be standing, standing when he should be sitting, chucking spears at the wrong people. Wouldn't chuck a spear at the Amalekites, now he's chucking spears at David. Um, his life is just all backwards. And so I just saw that contrast here where David went out, he fought, 
the Philistines, struck him with a mighty blow, and they fled from before him. I got to point this out. We'll see as we continue to the life of David. It's because the Lord was with David. How come David has such great victory in battle? Because the Lord was with him. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David in 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.